0: I'm glad to be here this morning. Uh, It's an honor to be on staff at Cornerstone and working with the high school and middle school students. It's a lot of fun. You know you're loved here uh, when you come back from a conference and on Monday morning your office looks like this. Uh, Like that. There you go. Dramatic pause. I felt so loved, a tear came to my eye. Thankfully, I had plenty to wipe them away with. And this was written on the whiteboard. I don't know if you can see it very well, but I don't know exactly what that means, but it's kind of fun. Uh, I'm going to find Jeff, because I'm guessing Jeff is the person who did it, but I don't know who that is. Um, anyway, uh, it's an honor and a privilege to work alongside Pastor Paul. Uh, it's great getting to see uh, and hear his heart for ministry and his love for the people uh, here at Cornerstone and in this area. Um, so that's awesome. He really likes having a coworker here with him at church regularly, so much so that at one point last week we were in the bathroom at the same time, and he looked over at me and goes, "I haven't had a coworker in the bathroom at the same time in a long time." <laughs> High five! I don't know what do you do in that situation, right? So, if you're sitting near an elder, their phone might light up with a text message saying, like, emergency meeting, subject, Nick's employment after the service. No. But thank you for allowing me to share with you today. Um, I think you would agree that all of our stories are important. We all have a background and an upbringing. We all have experiences, and there's a reason that God has us in this building at this moment, As has in the family we're in, the job we're in, the neighborhood we're in, the school that we're in. It's exciting to know that each person has a unique story. But before I get too far into that, I want to back up just a little bit. Because I had this thought when I kept hearing about how fearfully and wonderfully made we are. And we are. We're made in God's image. And it's amazing to know or to think about how intimately God knows us even before we're born. But I think sometimes we think too small about how special we are. I mean, think about this. Has anyone ever said to you, there's no one like you, you're so special, you're one in a million? Well, that means in the United States right now, there are 326 people just like you. I hope that makes you feel real special. Because in the whole world, that would mean there's about 7,383 people just like you. So basically... A city the size of Sandwich, there's a whole bunch of you somewhere in the world. If you're one in a million, I'm sure you'd all get along really, really well. But then I started to think about the odds of me actually being me. And I started to think about how God must really love me and all that. Because if you try breaking down the odds... Um, and you start to think about it your mind I think will kind of start to explode with this idea So think about this all the circumstances and all the instances that had to happen for you to exist right now So for you to even exist your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather Had to, at some point all the things had to come into place To meet your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother And like each other long enough for them to have whatever great that was after that. And that's just on your mom's side. That has to happen on your dad's side and all the generations and all of your ancestors. And after all of that, your mom and dad finally meet. And then they have to like each other long enough to have you. And some of you are like, yeah, the odds of that are just mind-blowing. And then even if you think about the at the moment you were conceived, there's actually 250 million um, carriers of your father's genetic heritage of a possibility of you being you. And that's the same for all of your ancestors all down the line, right? So someone way smarter than me did the math on all this, and it turns out that you're not one in a million, praise God. You are 1 in 10 to the hundred eighty fifth thousand power. That's a lot of zeros at the end of that. And to visualize it, uh, I actually put 2,685,000 zeros in a Word document because I had the time to do that. Um, it was actually just a lot of copy and pasting. And what it comes out to is it looks like this. It's 623 pages Of zeros. So you are not one in a million. You are one in 2,685,000 power. It's an amazing thing to think about. You are fearfully and wonderfully made for this time for a specific purpose. But you know what? That's all in a human perspective. Right? If you ask God what the odds or the chances of you being you, He would say the odds are one in one. That you, there's always a 100% chance in God's eyes and God's plan that you would be you. And praise God that He has something amazing planned for you. I thought today would be. Uh, A good time to share a little bit of my story since I'm just starting out here and getting to know you um, And you're getting to know me. So hopefully this will kind of give you a little bit of an advantage um, In hearing some of a little bit about me Uh, So I grew up in the southwest suburb of Chicago Evergreen Park Um, It actually borders on Chicago Uh, I grew up in the same house my entire life. My parents still live there um, in a family of five kids, including myself. Um, I love when my mom tells the story of how she came to know Jesus. Um, because it actually started with her stepmom, my grandma, um, who came to know the Lord. And my grandma was just so excited and, and wanted to share Jesus with everyone that she could that she would call my mom. My mom would be talking to her and my grandma would just be, Jesus is amazing. You gotta give your life to Jesus. And my mom, not wanting to be rude but completely disinterested, would put down the phone while my grandma was still talking, go about her daily life, and every few minutes pick up the phone and go, "Uh uh-huh, and put the phone back down again and keep going with what she was doing, Uh uh-huh. Eventually my grandma wore my mom and dad out. (laughs) And our family started going to church. Um, And my parents became believers. And we found a great community. And our whole family started and began a faith journey at that time. By the time I was in high school, we were at a different church in a neighboring suburb, and uh, I, along with a handful of high school students, became student leaders in our youth ministry. I was chosen by my peers to preach at a Sunday night youth service. Do you remember when those used to happen, maybe? After the service, um, our senior pastor came up to me and asked me if I had ever considered going into ministry. And he, he was just super excited, and he said, man, you have some... Maybe some natural gifts and abilities and the spirit might be calling you uh, to ministry And he told me all about how moody has a great program to cultivate those things in young ministers And he said, what do you think about that? And I said, no, thanks and just kind of walked away Well, after a few years of attending a a community college and with some encouragement from my parents um, I applied to moody. I didn't think I would get in um, But I did And through the process of getting to Moody, I realized that God was calling me to ministry. And something I've never forgotten about God um, is, is our first text this morning. So would you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55? See, I wanted to do something completely different with my life. But God, in his sovereign plan, put me where he needed me. And as God continues to use me, I strive to remember this truth. In Isaiah 55, and it's verse 8, it says this, For my thoughts are not your thor- thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. Now it would be easy in our humanity and our pride to say, Well, of course your ways aren't my ways. I know what's good for my life. And maybe sometimes you're glad that your ways aren't God's ways because that might have gotten into some fun or gotten in the way of something you wanted to do. You might say, I know what's good for my life because I'm my own person. I'm an adult. It took me a long time to get here, and I know what's good for me. I can do what I want. But then you get this dose of reality of who God is, um, In Isaiah 55, the next verse, verse 9, it continues on, it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Ooh, 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 yeah. God, you are right. My view of who I am can only go so high right? And this isn't just any God we're talking about. This is the one true God. This isn't a God that exists in a pantheon of other gods. This isn't Allah. This is the one true God, Jesus Christ, who saves us, who dies for us. His view is much higher, so much richer, with so much more depth of understanding of who you are there is a reality that we must begin to sit with in our mind and, and with our soul that God's way for your life is much better than your way. I remembered this as I followed God's call to serve at a church on the south side of Chicago, not far from the neighborhood that I grew up in. It's actually the same church that Becky and I had our wedding in. For almost four years, I was able to minister to students and families in the church and the community, And then we followed God's call to serve overseas. So from 2010 uh, to the end of last year, we had the privilege of serving military families and kids who were stationed overseas on an army base in Stuttgart, Germany. We believe God has a specific call in our lives to serve military people. Once we started serving, we had such a heart and such a passion for the ministry that we were in in Stuttgart that we had started to plan... And we, and we kind of said, God, we're going to stay as long as you need us here. Unfortunately, that wasn't as long as we thought it was going to be. So something that we've been carrying around for uh, a little over a year, about a year and a half, is this pain of, of, of man, we really thought we were going to be here for, for a long term. It's taken a while to process the loss of, of a ministry that God called us to to military people in Stuttgart sooner than we had planned. It's, it's taken a lot, and it's still, is, we're working on, coming with the fact that we may never go back to the place that we learned to call home, the place where Elijah was born, a place that we felt called to minister. But I know the call on my life to ministry goes deep, Um, I've seen God move and direct my steps, even when it seemed like I was in control, whether that was directing me to school for ministry training or to my first ministry assignment um, at the church or to guiding us overseas or to bringing us back to the States, even when we didn't feel like our time was up. I know God has a purpose for me, just like I know he has a purpose for you. There was a defining moment in my life where I realized this, and there may be one like that in your life, and so I'm going to share mine with you, and maybe it'll trigger some, some ideas in your life for you to say, yeah, God really does have a purpose for me. I was in college, and God communicated this loud and clear to me. I was actually coming from Moody to visit Becky, who was living out here with her dad um, at the house that we're currently at now. And Becky had told me about this new way to come out, because you know, coming from the city, it takes a long time to get here, and as fast as you can do it, especially to see my girlfriend, is, lo- is way better than going slow. So I got off on I-55, and she said, head south, you know, at 126, and uh, you hit Renwick, went, Renwick Road, say that fast five times, um, and there used to actually be a one-lane bridge that you would cross, I don't know if some, some of you have probably been out that way, but... Um, and it was. I thought that was really cool. I love one lane bridges for some reason. So I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm gonna take that way. And uh, right before Renwick meets up with Walker Road, there's kind of this crazy curve in the road. And uh, if I can remember, and if I close my eyes, I can I can remember that moment where I just looked down for a moment, um, just to change something on the radio. And by the time my eyes got back up to the road, there wasn't any road left. It had made this right turn. And so I pull as hard of a right as I possibly can, which is the same action that actually dipped my tire in between the road and started my car on a two to three roll side barrel turn thing that was going. And all I could think about as I'm holding on to the steering wheel is,
1: oh
0: my gosh, my parents are going to kill me. (laughs) And there's that quarter that I lost last week. And here's a picture of the car that I was in, uh, it landed upside down, and uh, of course it never lands right side up. Um, I'm grateful I wore my seatbelt that day, but I kind of thought that it was going to be like in the movie, so I unbuckled my seatbelt, and uh, kind of like fell out of the car, and then like did this army crawl, and did like this like half run, and then I did a dive in the field, thinking the car was just going to explode and I just kind of waited for my moment, like, this is a movie scene. It was like cool slow motion in my mind, and then I look back, and the car is just like, there. I'm like, ah, oh, it's not going to blow up. Well, that's a good thing, I guess. <laughs> so when I got back up to the road, uh, there was actually two guys that, that had come up and had seen what was going on, and they're like, man, that was awesome! They're like, so good, you're okay, and they're going down and checking out the car. They're like, we just saw, like, two other cars flip in this same spot, and uh, some other lady stopped, and she was asking if I was okay, and uh, she went down to check out the car, and the guys came back home. And they're like, man, good thing your airbags went off. I was like, yeah, okay. And the lady went down and checked out the car and came back, and she's like, I called the police. Man, it's a really good thing that your airbags went off. And I was like, okay. So the ambulance got there, and the police, and got to the hospital, got checked out. Um, thankfully, everything was okay. And as I was reflecting on that, um, that whole series of events, A few days later, I kind of realized, and I don't know if you know much about cars, but this is a 1992 Chevy Cavalier, um, and at least mine did not have airbags, except my car did that night. And I know God has a sovereign purpose and plan for my life. Even the way that I got to be in Sandwich right now is God moving us in his timing, We came back to the States. We were originally in Indiana thinking we would be back on the mission field within a few months. When we moved to Sandwich in May of this year, we knew we had to serve and uh, we knew we had to grow where God planted us. Uh, When we saw that Cornerstone was searching for a youth worker, at first I just kind of passed it by, um, just not knowing what was going to happen with us. But then God brought it back to my mind and I started praying about it. I said, Becky, maybe we, should, maybe we should find out if this is an opportunity for us. And Becky goes, that came back to my mind as well, and I've been praying for that as well. And so we just kind of thought that maybe it was, it was God's timing that we would move here uh, just around the same time that Cornerstone was looking for a new youth worker. And then the first time after meeting with the elders and talking with Paul, first time I got a chance to share with uh, the students here at Cornerstone and introduce myself and meet them and hear a little bit of their stories and uh, share some scripture with them, um, was actually September 16th of this year, exactly one year to the day that we left Germany to come to the States. It was almost like God saying, this is right for you right now. I want to take a look at one more story from Scripture and close my time sharing with you. So turn with me to Mark chapter 5, and I'll start reading in verse 24. So it's Mark chapter 5, verse 24. It should be on the screen too, if you want to follow along there. It says, And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had been had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered go in peace and be healed of your disease. Some of you can put yourself in this woman's place. Some of you have been suffering for a while. Some of you have gone through some really difficult times. Some of you have dealt with disappointments or have been disappointed by other people and are dealing with that. And sometimes it may have just felt like God was just never really there. This woman believed that Jesus would heal her, but she also needed to make that movement to Jesus. She had to have faith in Scripture and not just be a hearer who heard the prophecy in Micah chapter 2 that the Son of Righteousness would come and have healing in His wings, But Jesus was in this town passing through at this time for this woman to have a chance to believe. God did a lot of sovereign work to get her to this point. Then she had to get up, fight for her life through the crowd, and believe that she would be healed by touching just a tassel of the rabbi's cloak which is called the wings. If you would have asked me where I would be in five years when we first arrived in Germany, Sandwich, Illinois probably wouldn't be in my top five answers. If you would have asked that woman seven years into her disease where she would be in five years, she might have said, lying here about to die. But God can move us and use us where he needs us to be, And what he needs us for. For your greater good and healing. For him to grow his kingdom. For you to reach out in belief and touch the edge of his cloak and know that there will be healing. That there will be life. That there will be an end to suffering. That there will be a purpose and a plan that is higher than what you can understand. And greater than what you can imagine. From a human perspective, we're 1 in 10 to the 2,685,000 power. It's not an accident that you're here. It's not an accident that God put you in the school that he has you in, in the job that he has you in, in this church, in your neighborhood. So what we need to do is reach out in faith and say, God, your way is better than my way. I know you have a purpose and a plan for me to be healed, to be free of suffering, to be free from mistreatment. God has put so many events and circumstances in place in your life to make that decision to reach out to him in faith. Maybe you're right here in that area, at that point in your life of needing to reach out to God. There might be people in this room that are in that same place as you are. Yesterday was the first time I actually had a chance to to take a look at that praise book that's up there, and if you get a chance to read it, it is story after story pretty much of all the same things that I've said today. God showed up at just the right time. Man, there was something tragic that happened, and God healed it. I've been waiting for this moment for for, for my whole life, and God provided for me. So maybe you need to take some time and write in that book today and say, here's how God sovereignly has worked in my life. Here's my story. I want to share it. Or maybe you need to take time, because um, the prayer team is going to come up here, and maybe you're going to need to take time uh, to say, I'm reaching out to God in faith. I want to take hold of that. I want to believe that there can be healing. I want to believe that I can have new life. I want to know that my story means something because God has sovereignly put me here at this moment for some purpose, for some plan. Maybe you just need that moment to reach out to Jesus right now in this time. So, if you need that, the prayer team is going to be up. I'm going to close in prayer. So, let's do that right now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm grateful for being part of the Cornerstone Church family. And for how you've sovereignly put us here. And how you've moved us in your timing. And how you've worked things out um, for us to serve. And God, I know that every person in this this church right now has a story that you want to use. I know that... You've created them for a specific purpose. They're not just one in 10 to the 2,685,000 power, but God, they are one in one that you wanted them here. I'm so grateful that your ways are higher than my ways and that your thoughts are higher than my thoughts and that your view of of me and, and of these people in this room is so high, and you speak truth and life to us, and want us to move and do your will. So God, would you help us to reach out in faith, in belief, make a movement towards you, and say, I believe that you have something great for my life. God, we thank you, and we lift this idea of being fearfully and wonderfully made. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.